What makes you strange on purpose? I think I'm a perfectionist. I don't know anything. I don't know, I'm just me. I'm a little weirdo. I'm just me. My unwillingness to stay stagnant. I can only be like authentically myself. The best way I can answer this question is with describing a picture. It's this guy riding a motorcycle while he's reading a book called How to Ride a Motorcycle. Welcome to the Strange on Purpose podcast. I'm Izzy. Let's get rolling. I'm Izzy and my guest today is a homie and someone that really I look up to. Um, Looking at everything that he touches and everyone that he impacts more importantly. Uh, It's just inspiring. And I told you all that I really wanted to get into into highlighting creatives in general, not just creatives and sneakers or anything like that, but just creatives and culture and people that are paving a path for people like us. So without further ado, Troy Pryor, thanks for joining me today. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Shout out to everybody out there in the virtual world. I appreciate you having me on. For the people that don't know who you are don't know cypher or everything else that you touch do you want to give a little bit of an intro as to who you are and what you do yeah sure i appreciate that man so i'm a filmmaker a media proprietor from chicago i started in the industry as a talent as a voice actor and on stage uh played a couple of sports in college and uh, was raised to be a minister so um i packaged a lot of that in my life experience into what i'm doing now as a producer a lot of those same skill sets uh, are transferable uh, into what I'm doing, building teams, collaborating with uh, different individuals, uh, being a great talent scout, building uh, an ecosystem uh, that continues to scale and grow, uh, all stem from those uh, life experiences. And then being a talent obviously gives me the ability to speak the language. So it certainly helps as a producer uh, because I understand uh, what uh, talent need to hear uh, and both sides of the equation. And about nine years ago, I launched an organization called Creative Cypher uh, that was really focused on empowering black and brown content creators uh, to gain access to resources so they can bring their projects to life and their voices can be heard. That turned into my ability to be an executive producer on projects. Uh, That organization has scaled quite well with programs and organizations and brands within the umbrella. Uh, that allow us to achieve our goal, which is eliminating the need for permission. And so we have, uh, we've built our screenwriting programs. Uh, we've got multiple film festivals under that umbrella uh, and pretty robust multi-service entertainment company that allows us to identify talent, uh, identify content, develop and produce both, and distribute both, uh, as well as wrapping around live experiences that um, uh, be sort of like orbit the content itself. And it's, it's all complementary to the main goal of amplifying diverse voices and creating a platform. So doing that and creating this ecosystem, uh, a lot of people that I've talked to on the show have thought about doing that, but don't realize like how much work really goes into it. And I've seen it from an outside eye, like how much you've actually put into it from a not only a monetary standpoint but just like a hey i'm working 14 hour days type of thing so when you talk about creating an ecosystem why is that so important to you sustainability sustainability i'm not an old man but i'm also not a young man my son is almost two years old 
and I think about the things that I want to do in life. I think about a lot of the um, sweat equity put into some initiatives that I've had before that some have panned out and done well, some have not, not so much. Uh, and that's all, that's all of our journeys as entrepreneurs. But I knew that from my experience as an athlete that ultimately I needed a, a, um, an ecosystem, but a, a process that continuously provided opportunities. And in a, in a, in a healthy ecosystem, it becomes self-sustainable. So when I think about the things that I want to do in life, I don't want to be bogged down and have to do and go through the same thing over and over again, reinventing the wheel over and over again. And having an ecosystem helps to avoid that. It helps to eliminate some of the barriers and knock down some of the walls because a lot of the resources that you need become in-house. A lot of the relationships that you need are in-house, so to speak. A lot of the doors that you need to open are somehow connected to something else. And one of our philosophies outside of eliminating the need for permission is that there are no one-offs allowed. That speaks directly to this idea of an ecosystem. If you go into the environment, in a healthy environment, uh, things benefit one another. Things are mutually beneficial. And it certainly helps because if I'm working on a project, rest assured, 99.9% .9 of the time, anything I'm working on is attached or affiliated, connected in some way, shape, or form to something else that I'm working on. And it helps to keep things sustainable and efficient because now I don't have to spend the same amount of time doing certain things because there's a system in place. And that's just the logistics side. I use the term ecosystem because there are other people involved and we make sure that things become mutually beneficial so that it's not just a group or a smaller group of individuals benefiting from it, that it affects the whole. And that's really important for me. And a lot of that comes from my family background and community service, clergy, and you know things of that nature. I've seen things that are... Um, I've seen what healthy ecosystems can do for a community, how it benefits all. And, you know, the fact that I had, I was fortunate enough to have the opportunity to be a talent in the entertainment industry and see how sometimes deals can be very one-sided. Opportunities can be very minimal for people of color. Um, in a city like Chicago, is listed as one of, if not the most segregated city in the, in, in the country, I can see how, if you're on one side of the of town, you don't even know that certain resources may be available. I know what it's like to be in a boardroom with and be the only one in the room and listen to institutions that have access to resources um, that just don't know how to navigate uh, evolving. And for me, that's a lot to do. That's a lot for one person to take on. But when, when you sit in those roles, I knew that the only way that I could really attack this was to build an ecosystem. I had to build something that was an infrastructure. Otherwise, I would be running like a chicken with my head cut off, trying to do any and every, like everything over and over again, trying to you know reinvent the wheel. And that's just a lot, and it's not sustainable. And so I had to build something that could ultimately um, not only benefit my immediate goals, but with, some, but with something that was scalable and could benefit those that are a part of it. And what it you know, tangibly has turned in for me is that one day I may be a consultant on a project 
and I may become a producer on that project and an executive producer on that project. And then that project turns into five other projects. And then that project uh, introduces me to 20 people on each of those projects. And then my database of talent grows, my resources grow, and then a new project gets pitched to me. And they say, hey, Troy, you know, how much is it going to cost for this? Or what is the deal going to be? And the value that I bring to the table is can be in some ways exponential because of this ecosystem. And, you know, where it would have taken somebody else, you know, a month to execute whatever that thing is, it might take me a week or it may take me a phone call, you know, depending on what I have access to now. And that was what I, I really wanted to do was build that ecosystem because when opportunities come my way, in some situations, it may only take me sending one text to get something done that it would have taken somebody else a little bit more time to. So there's something to say about like those projects that you mentioned, right? Like a lot of people that are listening today, I don't think know the magnitude of the projects that not only you've really touched on an everyday basis from your standpoint, but like the creatives that you've plugged into the certain projects and everything like that. Do you want to talk about those projects a little bit and like how putting on the other creatives to these different projects really kind of pushes the entire message forward for what you're building? Absolutely. I, I look at models like Barry Gordy, Quincy Jones, um, you know, Tyler Perry, individuals that not only understood the artistry, of the business, the art of entertainment, but they understood not not only the art, not only the business, but they understood the value in the people. And much of that came from uh, my family's experience in in the community and clergy, and you know, and uh, it it um, I was raised to be a minister and been in the pulpit since I was thirteen. So I realized that outside of all of my creative capacity. My true superpower is the ability to bring people together, the ability to connect with people as a host, but also to connect people. And that transferable skill turns into business deals. It allows me the ability to be a producer. I know plenty of people that are way more talented and smarter than me, have more um, more technical knowledge of uh, certain aspects of the entertainment industry uh, than I do. but they're not able to communicate that to the public. Uh, if I'm on stage with individuals that, you know, may have been working on specific projects um, at a greater capacity than me, but I can connect with an audience, I'm going to walk away with the audience. And you and I both know that if you have an audience, you've got leverage. And so what I've, what I've really learned on some of those projects is that my talent is great and it gets me in the door and it helps. But the true work that I provide on those projects are managing the individuals and the people and building those fruitful relationships. And projects like Brothers from the Suburbs is a prime example. That was a really dope project by some creators from Chicago. They had previously worked on a project that was very, very, um, very well done and even won at a few festivals, but ultimately hit some roadblocks. And uh, fast forward to this second project. Um, there was some uh, there was some value that I felt could have been offered that original project, and we didn't go in. You know, they decided not to go in that direction, 
And then when the next project came about, I was able to come back and say, remember, you know, what I advised before, let's try it this time. And long story short, that project then got acquired by Warner. Now it's in development for HBO Max. And it just opens up the doors to other resources and other relationships, even things like our accelerator program, which is a very specific program that identifies one BIPOC creator in Chicago, provides them $50,000 worth of of um, resources uh, to produce a digital pilot. Uh, we did that three years. That project has afforded and offered me relationships that I probably would not have gotten if I if I didn't build this program first. You know, now having folks from all of the major networks and studios involved, whether it's from Netflix, HBO Max, if I just came to the door with a dope script and said, I'm dope, you should work with me, everybody's saying that. But I built a program that allowed me to say, I have a business, I have a program that's aligned with their business model, and it helps in this, uh, in this time where everybody's looking for the diversity and inclusion BIPOC, you know, opportunities, it opened up opportunities for me and not just from that individual Chicago accelerator. Now the accelerator is expanding to multiple cities. And so, you know, a year from now, when we look at this and I see what that program has allowed me to do, it goes back to this idea of putting other artists on building ecosystems, building a machine, building a model because i can bring scripts all day one-off projects all day but that's not necessarily sustainable and i want to have that disney level conversation not just the espn or abc conversation you know i want to have that parent company conversation and the only way to have that is to either build a product that's so valuable that allows you to move in that direction uh, like an individual project or to build some type of um you know, beneficial strategic alliance or partnership that offers you an, an array of opportunities. And that was the direction that I went. I got two, two questions. I'll ask this one first. Um, specific to Chicago. Obviously, you know my roots. Uh, I think they're the entire push of let's go to the coast to go get the money. Like I need, like I can't build in the Midwest. I can't build in the South and maybe in the South that's been changing, but specific to the Midwest, if you're creative, you always dream of moving to an LA or a New York or a Paris or London, whatever. But you're doing it differently by not only building in Chicago and building in the Midwest, but you're also putting on and showing that showing the up and coming creatives that you're currently working with that it can be done here. So why is that so important to you? Because it's possible. It is possible. And I think mm -hmm. that sometimes we put ourselves in a box and we think we have to move. Now, I will always tell you, like, go where the work is, you know, take the business, you know, make the business decision. But my perspective on that is access. It's not the chained down perspective of you have to go to the coast, you have to go to Atlanta, you have to go to these places, because I feel like you're operating out of fear when you make those moves. Mm. My perspective is that those places have the resources, and they have the relationships, and they have the opportunities. And what you want is the access to those things. 
But having access to those things doesn't necessarily mean that you pick up and have to relocate. Picking, relocating becomes a choice that you can make when it makes sense. But I think that if you make that choice out of fear, then the foundation you're building every other move on uh, becomes a little shaky. I think if you just switch your perspective just a little bit and you look at those places as tools, not the end-all, be-all, not that you have to be in L.A. because if you're not in L.A., you can't make it. It's just that L.A. has something to offer and you need access to that. And in the digital space, especially if the pandemic hasn't taught us anything, is that you don't have to be any particular place. You just need access to the thing, and the thing just may be in that place. Yep. It's just a different, it's just a mental shift, a little bit of a mental shift. And so if that thing that I need is in L.A., then I want to figure out how to get access to that thing. Now, gaining access to that thing could mean I have to go over there and go to L.A. to get that thing. Gaining access could mean I need to set up some type of infrastructure where I can hop on a call or I can do things virtually, or I can operate, or I can create strategic alliances with people that are on the ground in that space, and maybe I go over there just to make sure things are set up and running properly and delegate responsibilities, but I don't personally have to be in that space. And so all the things I'm listing right now are just ways to help an emerging artist eliminate that fear of the only way that I'm going to get it done is if I pick up and move. Because now you have another level of anxiety and pressure that you put on yourself just because of the location you're in. I was having a conversation with a very dope spoken word artist, multi-Grammy nominated, and somebody that just launched a dope um, documentary on Netflix about a Chicago rapper. And we were talking about um, how he experienced a lot of people saying like, oh, are you back in Chicago? It didn't work. It didn't work out. Like, no, mm. dude, we just got paid X number of dollars for this Netflix documentary on Ye. And like, I didn't have to be in LA, but if I need to get to LA, I can. So I think it becomes a, it becomes a mental shift where we realize that that's just a stop. You know, that's a plane ride. I'm not speaking to, you know, anyone's, you know, pockets or financial capability or anything of that nature. I'm just speaking of the fact that don't let those things become prisons for you. You know, there, there, there are a ton of opportunities. Spe specifically with Chicago, Chicago's never been questioned for its ability to incubate talent. There's, there are plenty of very talented folks coming out of Chicago and other markets for that matter. And one of the things I learned was to master your market first. If you can operate in a market where the stakes may not be as high, the cost may not be as high, if you go to somewhere, you know, to another place, it gives you the opportunity to incubate ideas, test things out, try stuff, let it break, put it back together. It, it allows you to do certain things under the radar. Even when right. I think about the cipher, a lot of things that, we're able to do now people are surprised and they're like you know, like how long you've been doing this or who are you where are you man i had a i had a meeting with somebody from a a very you know reputable production company um extremely talented filmmaking team 
they saw me on the news talking about the program uh, that I was working on, and they were like, we, we never heard of you. And I said, well, yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense because we hadn't really done a whole lot of marketing or promotion. But as soon as they do, they're like, we want to do this, 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 and this because they see the value. And mm. it's not just me. There are a lot of dope artists that are just unknown. I mean, how many opportunities or how many you know, times do you see somebody and they say, oh, they're overnight celebrity? Like, no, they're not. They've been doing that for five years, 10 years, 15 years where they're from. And some folks just didn't know about it. So that's why it's so important to me, number one, because it is possible. Number two, because um, success leaves clues. And I've seen individuals that sometimes get trapped into that mindset of having to be in a particular place opposed to having sort of a global mindset or thinking beyond their own space or thinking that they have to get to a particular space opposed to looking at what they have right in front of them right then and there, optimizing that. A lot of times that mindset by itself can amplify your abilities. Uh, one of my favorite books is called The Alchemist. And it, at the end, you know, I don't want to give it away for those who haven't read it, but point is sometimes we find ourselves at, we go through journeys and we find ourselves where we started. And we just have to go through that journey to realize that you already had what you needed from the beginning. You just needed to learn how to use it. The unknown artist thing really struck a chord with me because I recently had uh, like a pitch for Strange on Purpose. It's honestly the biggest pitch I've had yet. And I started talking about obviously the numbers, the people that I've had on the podcast, everything like that. And the other party was like, why haven't we heard of you? Like you've done all these things. You've done this, you've done that, you've done this. And it's like, I've been just like low key in the cut working so that when it came time for this meeting, I kind of came out of the blue. Like you guys probably, everybody in that, in that uh, Zoom call probably underestimated me, right? Mm -hmm. And when it came down to actually having a conversation and learning about everything I'm doing, they're like, oh, okay. Uh, and you're doing it from Milwaukee? Like, you're doing it from the Midwest? Like, that's that's very weird. And um, I, I, love, I love that answer. So from your perspective, I would love to hear this since you touch so many things. I've been asking this uh, question semi-consistently um, with every guest. And I want to ask you, where are you playing it safe right now? Where am I playing to say, man, that's a good question. That's, um, I got to take a step back and, and think about <laughs> that. You know what? I know exactly the answer to it. I know the exact answer. I just had this conversation with a mentor yesterday. And um, I've got a, um, a very, I'm very excited about an opportunity that's on the table right now. And I was talking to this mentor about it. And he said, don't ask for too little. And um, I feel like I have played it safe with my ask. I feel like in my life, um, I've put my head down and just grinded and worked and worked and worked and worked. And because I may be the only in you know my community or within a particular group of folks to do something that I'm doing, or you know uh, I've had 
relatively successful individuals in my family in other areas, but not necessarily in entertainment. And sometimes when you're doing your own thing, you don't really realize um, the impact you may have. Even if you get awards and all that stuff, you still question yourself. I know yep. I've been faced with imposter that type of imposter, imposter syndrome. And as a byproduct of that, I have found myself um, shortchanging my opportunities. Hmm. And because I question that value, mm-hmm. you know, and, I, and sometimes I wonder if I do so many things because I'm trying to convince myself that I'm worth it, you know, and mm. um, I found myself at times taking a step back saying, wait a minute. No, no, no. I'm qualified. I work, you know, my tail off for this. I've earned it. And I can justify making this particular demand. And I think where I play it safe, I have played it safe at times, is that I've been worried that if I ask for too much, I don't get anything. Mm-hmm. Opposed to saying, now, now to be fair, there is an awareness that we that we need to have in order to know how to negotiate and, and, and collaborate and things of that nature. But I also feel there has to be an awareness of, of knowing our value. And I, I feel like I've played it safe sometimes because I've just wanted this thing to work so well that I've probably shortchanged myself. And so with this particular opportunity coming up, I'm really glad you asked that question because this mentor was just like, don't ask for too little. And I think I've, I have played it too safe in that regards uh, at times in my journey. What makes you strange on purpose? What makes me strange on purpose? I would say what makes me strange on purpose is accepting the fact that strange can be a relative term and just being authentic and honest with self can be strange to people. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. just just the idea that um, you being you to others can seem strange. Right. Uh, and then another one of my mentors a while ago said, and this was specific to auditions when I was doing more auditions as an actor. And she said, you know, when you get a breakdown for a project, the producers or whoever is in, they're in position, they typically give you, you know, what they think they want. Sometimes they don't even know what they want, but they're going to give the cast and director somewhat of a breakdown so they can find, you know, what they're looking for. And you walk into that room and you might see 10 or 12 folks that kind of fit the same type of feel and she said if you fit the breakdown then you're not going to stand out Mm. and so this idea of just knowing that you are enough by itself in many situations is going to be strange to people but strange doesn't have to mean a negative thing Strange just means that you may stand out to a bunch of folks and haven't seen what you have to offer because everybody else that came in this room did the same thing. Everybody else that came in the room talked the same way. They had the same kind of energy around them. But you walked in and you did something that may have felt uncomfortable, something that you may have had that in your mind, your first thought would be like, oh, I don't, I don't know if I want to take that um, leap. Or if I don't, you know, I don't want to take that risk. It feels strange. It feels awkward. But the truth is, when you look at individuals that have achieved great things, 
they've all gone through phases where other people around them said, don't do that. That's strange. That doesn't make sense. And they have to trust their instincts. So I think that's what makes me strange on purpose is that I intentionally work to remain my authentic self in spite of um, an industry that oftentimes wants to just put you in a box. Mm 